Welcome to What the Wealth, a financial planning and investment podcast for professionals and families to help you navigate life's financial transitions. Jonathan's mission is to facilitate the ability for you to plan for and create the life you love, free from anxiety about money. And now, here's your host, certified financial planner, Jonathan Bedner. Welcome. I'm Jonathan Bedner, host of What the Wealth a podcast dedicated to help you go from financial confusion to financial confidence. This is the 40th episode. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about a strategy that I use to save and invest for my children. Uh, My children, as some of you know, are four and one. And I'm doing this as a way, kind of as an experiment to teach them about money when they get older. They're four and one. So we're just now kind of getting into the stage where we're going to start talking about money with um, with my oldest. We, we've kind of started talking some things and, and teaching, but I think it's going to intensify a little bit more coming up. So what I did a couple of years ago was opened up two investment accounts for them. And I'm a, I'm a huge dividend growth investor. And so the way that I like to invest money is by owning individual stocks, but in companies that not only pay a dividend, but have a history of growing their dividend every year. And there's a number of companies that do this. I have some favorites, but there are you know many, many companies to choose from. And what, what, what I'm doing for them is choosing some companies that I think we resonate with as a family, but also uh, that I've noticed my daughter, my son is too young, but my daughter has resonated with herself. And so what I've decided to do is to to own three of these dividend growth stocks. And so, you know, sure, sure, there's a little bit of risk there where I'm, I'm just pegging my money on these three stocks instead of a broad market index or ETF or mutual fund or something like that. But I'm also going to continue to monitor that's with them. So while the while is it is designed for set it and forget it and let those dividends reinvest forever, it's not going to go without monitoring. So that's why I personally feel comfortable to do this. But I think if you don't have that experience in, in individual stocks, then in a diversified ETF or a diversified mutual fund would would be you know another idea so what what we did has is decided to every year give my daughter and son a thousand dollars to invest let me back up a second a lot of people think about when they're investing for their kids to automatically think about the 529 account for higher education planning and and now the 529 can actually be used for tuition at uh, lower level school, like K through 12. And so that has been a, a way that most people have thought about planning in the past when they're thinking about children is, is 529s. Um, and there's a couple of other accounts that people will use to invest. And I'm not necessarily here talking about which account or which, this is more about strategy, I guess, less about which account do you do this in, more about strategy. And, and as a way to teach. So what we decided to do was create an account for our two children. And once a year on their birthday, we picked birthday, you could do Christmas, whatever. I just recommend it be a, a certain time every year. 
we're, we're picking birthday and deposit a thousand dollars a year into their account. And we will divide it amongst those three stocks that again, raise, raise and uh, focus and focus, excuse me, focus on raising their dividend every year. And by doing that, I think we get tremendous compound growth, but you don't see it till later in life. So I ran a scenario that shows um, starting out with zero. This one, actually, I'm actually using investor.gov. This is a compound interest calculator from investor.gov, which one is, which is the Securities and Exchange Commission website. They have this compound interest calculator in the financial tools and calculator section. It doesn't allow me for an annual contribution. So it just, it just does monthly contributions here. But what it does is it asks for the initial investment. So I put in zero or starting at zero when they're born. And then I put in $83 a month, 83.33. And I put in for the next 60 years. So this would assume essentially starting with zero when they're born and putting in $1,000 a year on their first birthday. This just happens to make it be in a monthly contribution instead of one-time annual. And then I estimated for a 12% interest rate or, or growth rate. This is, in my mind, obviously, we're trying to invest for very high aggressive growth. Who knows what you're actually going to get? I'm just assuming that it's going to be 12%, but that's a total assumption. And then I put in here below that, there's an interest rate variance range, and I put 2%. So what that's basically going to show is 12% compound annual growth rate, but it'll also show 10% and 14%, 2% above the 12 and 2% below the 12. So I think this is going to give me a nice little range of basically 10 to 14% earnings, but you could put in 10 or nine or seven or whatever, and then create whatever variant you're comfortable with, one, two, 3%, whatever you want, and it will, it will adjust. And then I created, finally, where I said compound the frequency annually. So we're going to compound this on an annual basis. And the numbers are pretty staggering. So after 60 years at contributing $1,000 a year, the final numbers, according to this calculator, are 12% value would be 7,000, excuse me, 7 million $471,342. So essentially you put in $60,000 and it over time compounds to $7 million. If we take into account the variance and it only owns 10%, it's $3,034,000. So that's a difference of about $3.4 million. If you earn an average of 14% a year, it's $18 million, which would be about $11 million more money than uh, had you earned 12%. So what happens is the longer this goes, I mean, in the first, I don't know, 20, 30 years, you know, the numbers are relatively close. And the longer you have this account and the investing and the contributing the more this hockey stick curve just shoots almost linear straight up 
and and really takes off. And so the compounding gets faster and faster and faster. Uh, and this is really kind of what happened to Warren Buffett. You know, he started in at a very, very young age, buy and hold, left it alone. And then most of his wealth came after he was already 60 years old because he had already had 60 years of, of investing or 50 years of investing. And it was able to just compound and compound and compound until it had a hockey stick type of curve straight up. And so the idea behind this is a couple of different things. One, I teach them about investing. I start talking to them about you own you own this company. This is why we invest. We save money. And as she starts doing chores and working, then we can start to contribute and do more. We're going to commit to do $1,000 a year. I don't know if we'll really do it the full 60. My original thought was to do it for 18, 19, 20 years. And then once they actually get a job, transition that to them. But it would be a huge head start for them. My idea is also for them to never touch this money until they're 60 years old or older. Because what I'm trying to do is create generational wealth. And I don't want to do that, or I don't want them to be tapping into this to buy a car or buy a house or buy something else because it's easy to access. This money is very thought out uh, in a way that we can actually create generational wealth for them, their family, and you know their kids and their grandkids. And so what you see is this power of this compounding. So the first aspect of it is from a financial literacy aspect, just start to be able to talk to my children about investing and saving money and the compounding of money and making sure that when you earn money, you you use some of that money to give, use some of that money to save, and use some of that money to spend. And the money that you save, you need to be investing. And again, the other part of this is just about creating generational wealth, really kind of as an experiment. If we do this $1,000 a year, what does this look like it grows to over 60 years? I'll be long gone by then. I guess maybe not. 60 years, I'll be 94 years old. I guess it's possible that I could be around. We are living much longer than we used to, so it's not out of the question. But I don't know that I'll know the actual results. I think that if they actually let this thing run the full 60 years, it would be incredibly life-changing for them. And that doesn't count their own investments later on, their 401ks, any of that stuff. This is this is really just for, for them, for generational wealth. Of course, I want them to use it if they want, but I, I really want them to get into that hockey-shaped kind of curve towards the end of this. Just as an example, I'm going to go back and plug in 15%. Assume we get 15% a year. And I don't even know if this is even possible, but just as a as a crazy example. So if they get if they earn 15% a year on that same $1,000 investment over 60 years, now they have $29 million over a 60-year period. And you again, you start thinking about that. I mean, that's crazy money. Obviously, we're going to have inflation and all of that. So you know, purchasing power of $29 million 60 years from now is going to be much different than $29 million today. But it's a great way with actually very little actually contributed. 
I mean, think of it this way, to be able to turn $60,000 in money that you invested into $29 million, heck, even if you've turned it into $10 million or $5 million, that's an incredible feat to be able to turn 60000 into such a large chunk. I'm going to go back and, and go to 12, 12 years, but I'm going to bump this out to another 10 years and say 70 years. That does a similar thing. So if we go back to earning 12%, but over 70 years instead of 60, the future value is $23 million on that 12% return. Again, huge, huge, huge growth. But a lot of this, in my mind, will be done from appreciation of these stocks, but will also be done from some of the heavy lifting. And and one of my favorite stocks, I'm not going to mention it here, but you know, recently raised their dividend by 33%. So once you start investing in companies that are raising their dividend at that kind of level, you know, the compounding just gets ridiculous in a good way. So I just wanted to, to kind of share how I'm thinking about investing for my children. I think this is something different. I don't hear many people talk about this or anybody talk about this. They kind of talk about it as, you know, I'll buy or invest in a 529 for my kids, or I'll I'll buy a mutual fund and kind of set it and forget it. But then they leave it at that. And so I'm really trying to think through something a little bit different. How do you make really generational wealth? How do you really give them a strategy to put in, and relatively speaking, a, a small dollar amount? $60,000 is not small chump change. But it is not like you're putting in, you know, $1,000 a month to get this. We're talking about putting $1,000 a year in. So this is a strategy that I'm using for for my family. I'm actually had a couple of clients start asking me about this for their family, their kids or their grandkids. And I think this is a really great way to do that. And again, if you don't want to use individual stocks, you could use an ETF or you could use a mutual fund. I mean, you could use another instrument. You know, the keys here are just contributing whatever amount you're comfortable with and doing it for a prolonged period of time. Let's not let's not let them have the money at 21. I mean, they should, in theory, be graduating college or close to graduating college or trade school and starting their own career. So they should be starting their own income stream, they shouldn't need to dip into this for, for a house. You could set up another account for that, or they could help, you know, do their own, or you could, you could help them with the down payment. So this experiment is to really let this thing run out over 60 years and, and see what happens. Uh, I'm optimistic that it'll be very, very good. What's the actual number? Who knows? I, I have no idea what the actual value will be, but I do think it's a very interesting way to teach at least the investing part about personal finance. It's not going to teach teach my children about the emergency fund or budgeting or any of that, which I also think are equally as important and will be parts of how we teach our kids about money and personal finance. But this is how I've, again, decided to teach them about the investment landscape. And I felt like, you know, if we own three individual stocks, then they get to say, hey, I'm an owner in XYZ company and, and kind of have some pride about that. They also will get to, when they visit these places or use these services or products, they will also be able to kind of resonate and put that idea with, 
hey, this company does this or makes that, and I own it. And then you start to have a little bit of a different emotional kind of investment connection with those companies that you own. So, you know, that's really kind of my, my thoughts for, for this episode. And, and again, how you create generational wealth, how you teach your kids about money, uh, and just a different way that, that you can go about it. I also plan on actually having my kids involved. You know, like I said, Kate's four. So this is a great time for me to start kind of mentioning, here's what you own. Here's how much I put in. And I don't think a lot of this will resonate with her now. I just want to be kind of chirping in her ear. So she, she starts to hear it. Um, I don't expect her to understand it yet. I just want her to be able to hear it. And over time, she'll start to digest and understand what all this means, but it takes time. And I think that's a big part of financial literacy today is that a lot of people aren't taught at a young age. You just, you, you almost start out learning it when you're 20, 30, 40, 50. And a lot of times it's too late. We need to start teaching earlier. You can decide how you want to do it. I wanted to kind of, again, bring up a way that I, I've started to do it. My wife and I have started to do it that's different, and I think it's unique. If you have questions, email me, jonathan at whatthewealth.com. If you have other questions about personal finance or financial planning or investing, we're happy to answer those. Just email me your question again at jonathan at whatthewealth.com. We'll be happy to talk about those. Thanks for listening to the 40th episode, and we look forward to seeing you on episode 41. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us on What the Wealth. For more information, get in touch with Jonathan at whatthewealth.com. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any information that can help you create the life you love. of this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Paradigm Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax advisor. This is a hypothetical example and is not representative of any specific situation. Your results may vary. The hypothetical rates of return used to do not reflect the deduction of fees and charges inherent to investing. Dollar cost averaging involves continuous investment in securities regardless of fluctuation in price levels of such securities. An investor should consider the ability to continue purchasing through fluctuating price levels. Such a plan does not assure a profit and does not make protection against loss in declining markets. Dividend payments are not guaranteed and may be reduced or eliminated by any time at the discretion of the company.